Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it's always a pleasure to have our consumer journalist, Wendy Nola, with us in studio. And I hope she's ready for a busy hour because always. I expect the phones are going to be ringing and ringing, Wendy. Uh, just a reminder to the listeners, we are tackling all kinds of information around the landlord-tenant relationship today. And uh, even after announcing that, Wendy, the emails have started streaming in. So uh, definitely a need for this conversation. Remember, you can join in with a call to 021-446-0567, an SMS to 31567, or a WhatsApp to 072 1567 uh, We have a specialist guest who I'll introduce in just a minute. But first, Wendy, let's just set, set sort of the framework here. This is a very long overdue segment, in fact, because I know frustrated tenants in particular are yes. some of your most common complainers. I don't know why we've never, well, I've never done, done it before, on the show because yeah. I, I do it on other platforms and print a lot. Because I do get a steady stream of emails from tenants about landlords or their agents, mostly around the refunding or more to the point, their failure to refund the deposits that they paid when they moved in. So deposits and all other aspects of the landlord-tenant relationship are governed by the Rental Housing Act. But in my experience, very few tenants know that the act exists, much less what it actually says to protect them. Um, I also occasionally hear from people, uh, one of our colleagues most recently, who have bought a property as an investment and then rented it out only to find, or, or, or in some cases inherited tenants, only to find that those tenants are in fact professional squatters um, who have no intention of, of paying them any rent ever. That is a whole nother show, but okay. let me just say if you do buy a flat um, for with the sitting tenant. investment with the sitting tenant and the agent tells you, you know, all nice, you just take over the, the tenants and they'll pay you rent, uh, that does probably mean um, there are non-paying ones and um, do your checks, but I say that's another show. Um, <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, I think, that the, the deposit issue and the refund of deposits Biggie, is one of the, the big, big, big subjects me, yeah. that comes up more often. And some landlords withhold deposits with very vague claims, Wendy, about damages were incurred. So, yes. But, but they shouldn't very be allowed to get away with that very vague status, should, vague they, status, no, should they? No, if they are going to – well, okay, first of all, no one has the right to arbitrarily demand that you pay for something without substantiating how they arrived at that amount. So the deposit in full or part may be withheld by the landlord or the agent on the departure of a tenant in order to remedy damaged Damage caused by the tenant uh, over and above fair wear and tear. Fair, obviously, uh, okay. So fair yeah. enough. If you you hold a party, you smash the glass, you ruin the carpets. Nobody yeah, is you, saying you, you shouldn't be obliged to, to drill, make that right. You drill forty five holes in the wall. Mm. Um, yeah, you obviously need to make good or pay for for it to be made good. But they can't just simply refuse to refund the deposit or a major part of it by making a vague claim to having had to clean or repair the unit after the uh, tenant's departure. And I've seen many cases where the flat was now 10 years or eight years since it was last painted and that tenant moves out and the whole flat gets repainted on the tenant's deposit. That's, That's just not right. completely, yeah. obviously not right. And there is actually legislation to back up this point that uh, those claims have got to be substantiated. Yes. Um, as I said, the Rental Housing Act. Um, and this is the key to protecting yourself as a tenant is that you have to insist that both you and the landlord or the rental agent must attend both an entry and an exit inspection. 
So in other words, before you move in, you both go around room for room with a checklist, noting any defects. And when you move out, you do the same. I'm a landlord myself okay. for the past 10 years on an investment flat. And I've seen tenants actually starting to get more wise. The last one that moved in actually had his own camera, not a, not even a phone camera, a little yep. digital camera. And he took his own photographs of absolutely everything that he could see was slightly you know, an existing defect, a little chip in the tile, a little scratch on the cupboard door, whatever it was. And he then sent me high-res photographs for my records. Well done so to I him. So protect yeah. yourself as well. Don't you, you don't have to just go with the um, uh, checklist that the agent or landlord has, although you're entitled to copy it. Um, so if you haven't then caused any damage during that exit interview, um, however, whenever it is that you move out, you've got a, you've got something to compare. What what you agreed to was the state of the flat when you or home when you moved in, and then anything that's new, they will obviously say this wasn't here when you moved in. You're responsible, and you both agree, and then they must still come up with. Uh, they can't just arbitrarily thumb suck a number, uh, an amount. They have to then substantiate by way of invoices or whatever. So get and a then, quote from somebody. Yes, what would it cost this? Yeah, many okay. of the big um, agencies have their own in-house, very expensive maintenance teams. Who yeah. then, and then they submit their, their bill. Um, the thing is, oh, also you get some unreasonable tenants. So they'll put something in the wall, a, a, a hook or two, and then want to just Patch that. Fill it in with polyfiller. Uh, yes. Yeah, and do an, a patch that's going to look terrible. So obviously, that you know, we you know that if you, um, if I'm a, I'm a tenant uh, currently, <laughs> I did not put a single nail in any of the walls because I know it's just too much of a schlep. You've either got to pay for the repainting of the whole wall or do it yourself, and it's really, I just just avoid nails if you. Okay. Um, so okay, so you mentioned how important those inspections yes. are. Now, what if that very careful inspection hasn't happened? All right. Really? So here's where it gets interesting, and this is what a lot of tenants don't realize. The Act says that if the landlord fails to inspect a dwelling in the presence of the tenant, that's the important part. It can't be unilateral. This is taken as an acknowledgement by the landlord that the dwelling is in fact in a good state. In other words, you haven't caused any damage, and that the tenant must then be refunded. The, d- the full deposit plus interest, I think it's within 14 days. Got our expert we'll ask our experts days. in just yes. a minute, yeah. It seems, especially in the case of rental agencies, um, that you know, they'd have scores, if not hundreds of units on their books, that exit expect- inspections aren't routinely conducted, but that deposits are actually withheld or uh, docked. Anyway, which, which is, is illegal. It's absolutely illegal. Okay. So really important uh, thing here is if you are moving into a rental property, do that inspection with the landlord up front and insist that a similar inspection is done at the end as you're moving out and avoid a whole lot of this drama. drama yeah. As somebody rightly points out on the WhatsApp, part of the problem here is that tenants are not very good at reading their lease agreements and at complying with this this kind of thing. Sure. So they, there's responsibilities as well as um, rights in any in any relationship. consumer yeah. relationship. Yeah, and I'm the first to acknowledge that. Okay. And what, speaking just, of that, yeah. Well, just a question. What about if if the landlord organises the inspection, yes. invites the tenant to come, and they don't show up? Yeah, does so it, there must when, be cases yeah. of that saying, "Oh, I'm too busy." Um, the landlord or agent is then obliged to inspect the unit in question within a week of the tenant moving out to assess any losses or damages and may only deduct the cost of repairs or the replacement of whatever is missing from the security deposit on proof of expenditure. Exactly the same thing as before, except it's not done with the two of them in agreement because the tenant's not, not playing the game. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, so... Obviously, the same applies. The ten- the deposit can be used to cover any repairs as well as the replacement of lost keys, which is quite a common issue okay. as well. But again, yeah. it 
those costs that are deducted have got to be substantiated yes. with a, a quote for a repair yes. or an invoice, correct? Yes, okay, not a thumbsuck figure. Okay, really important. Now, you mentioned deposits returned with interest. Won't you just talk to us a little bit about what the Act requires of landlords in that the, regard? Yes, just that the deposit has to be put in an interest-bearing account. Um, and that when look, it's very, very low interest. But the point is that they've held on to your money for two, three, four, five, ten years, whatever it is, and there needs to be interest paid. So that has to be calculated and added on. Um, again, I have a lot of cases where that's just not done. And okay. um, again, you know, it's not compliant. And if you're not compliant in one thing, what else aren't you compliant about? Just do it and do it properly, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I have to okay. put my money where my mouth is on that one as well and do my sums. <laughs> it's annoying, but you have to do it. Um, the um, Well, uh, let me just pause for a second yes. to say I'm seeing the emails and seeing the SMSs. Joan, your question around the lease, we are going to get to okay, that so topic in a minute. Um, let's, just bring in, let's bring in our expert guest uh, while we're still talking deposits. I just want to deal with one or two more deposit questions before we go on yes. to the lease question, which Joan has raised, which is an important one as well. Um, with us in studio today is someone who has years of experience in this space. In fact, he's been with us on the show before, and it's been far too long since we had you with us. Award-winning rental property attorney, Marlon Chevalier. Lovely to have you with us again, Marlon. Thanks for popping through. Good to be back, Pippa. Um, I just wanted to interject quickly. Yeah. It's quite a nice thing that you, you raised about this deposit and when funds are to be refunded. In essence, if you, if you look at the Act very, very clearly, the Rental Housing Act, if a tenant doesn't show up to an outgoing inspection after being invited, you still need to do the outgoing inspection. Yeah, yeah. Said, and yeah. you still need to refund no later than 21 days after the it's lease 21 has ended. Days. 21 days. Yeah, okay, 14, after the end of the lease. But imagine the landlord doesn't attend. In that instance, the property is deemed to be in good repair, yes. or in, in good condition. So in essence, it's very jaundiced. If the tenant doesn't rock up, he still gets a chance to get his deposit back plus interest, less any damages which are not fair wear and tear. But if the landlord doesn't show up or the agent on behalf full of the landlord, refund. full refund, even if there are damages. But, wow. but even th- having said that, because they know in many cases that the tenant doesn't know their rights, they don't do the exit thing. Plus, they they ref- withhold the deposit or they ref- withhold a big chunk of it, and the tenant doesn't know what to do, doesn't know their rights, and True. you know mm. that I see a lot. I just think landlords holding onto a deposit, thinking it's their own, you know, Income. treasure chest to, yeah. to to beautify the property for the next tenant. Oh, it's that's so, so often wrong. It's yeah. infuriating. Okay, now let's. Go. We've got several case studies here uh, from recent stories shared with you, Wendy. So, should we start with Wiseman's email? Yes. So he moved into a flat uh, five years ago. At the time, he says there were hinges on the window that were broken and there was some mold in the bathroom, uh, on the ceiling of the bathroom, which are two fairly uh, common things. Um, He says there was no ingoing inspection, but the supervisor of the block who let him in um, noted verbally um, those issues. Five years later, he says, and during those five years, the only maintenance or fixing that was done was um, the, the there was a faulty geezer which the um, landlord or agent um, had fixed. He gave notice, he bought his own place, moved out, he said, um, earlier this year, and the agent is refusing to refund his 5,500 rand deposit because of the broken hinges and mold on the bathroom ceiling. Uh, this is a fairly um, straightforward one, Marlon. Yeah, well, simply put, if there wasn't an incoming inspection, what are you going to marry? What, yes. Even if there wasn't incoming True. and no outgoing, but there Who's was hypothetically an outgoing and an incoming, how do you marry up the two defect lists to determine what the tenant did or did 
not do. Full refund, please, classic, plus interest. Classic case, plus interest, good. Plus interest, okay. Plus, classic case of abuse. Absolutely. Okay, so Wiseman is entitled to get that entire deposit back plus interest. The next question is, is if the, if the landlord refuses to return that deposit, what does he do, Marla? Well, effectively, he's got all his rights in terms of the Rental Housing Act. It's actually an unfair rental practice. In the Western Cape, you've got to read the Rental Housing Act together with the unfair practice regulations. And there's unfair practice regulations throughout the country, all different sets of unfair yeah. practice regulations. Okay. He can approach the tribunal. In my opinion, it would be slam dunk. What hasn't been mentioned here um, is that a five-year lease is curious because, as you know, in terms of the Consumer Protection yes. Act, Section 14, the maximum length is two years. Yeah. So there may be further breaches. Legacy and, uh, abuses there. Absolutely. Yeah. It could be a fun one to, to run with. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned a tribunal. Is that the Rental Housing Tribunal? Rental Housing tribunal. Okay. And we are going to share contact details for them yes. at the end of this segment. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, while we're with deposits, still lose case is the next one. This one's a little bit more complicated, yes. Wendy. So it's also about deposits, as I say. It's, 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 it's a bit nuanced. So Lou rented a freestanding uh, residential home in December of 2016, and she moved out in April of this year. Um, she said, to my horror, the landlord gave me a four-page list of damages that take the entire 24,500 rand deposit that I paid, plus another 10,000, 10,500 on top of that. She says some of the damage, she did have an ingoing and an exit um, joint inspection, inspection okay. but she said um, some of the damages on that list she knew about, saw them in the final inspection and agreed to them, and others... Um, she sort of put a tick next to when the list came because she's, she, uh, she said, yes, okay, I'll agree to those. But the point is a further inspection was done without her, without her knowledge, either presence or knowledge, and then came up with this extra list completely unilaterally, which obviously would, hey, Marlon, that would just not um, no, it wouldn't be count. legal. No. No, the, the Rental Housing Act is actually Section 5, Subsection 3. I don't have the act in front of me. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> section 5, Subsection well 3 clearly specifies that there's got to be an outgoing inspection that takes place no later than three days or within three days prior to the expiration of the lease. So by implication, any outgoing inspection that takes off place after the lease expires Unilateral is, or not, it's, it's is inconsequential. Okay. So this, you know, uh, after the whole issue has been resolved to come along with a with a list. I mean, who's to know who caused those damages? So it's it's a very big concern when you have an outgoing that purportedly takes place after the actual lease has ended. So they have one bite at the cherry and they can't come, she come says, back I, with I more. don't yeah. have a, I can't afford a lawyer. What should we do? I would say the tribunal in that instance. That okay. would be an excellent forum to adjudicate on that. Right. Okay, thank you. We've just got to take a short break and we'll be back with the news headlines and then continue the conversation around not just deposits, but also moving on to things like who's responsible when the geezer bursts, uh, what about water costs, security costs and more. Don't go anywhere. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can call us now on 21 Right, let's just wrap up the issue of the deposit uh, queries. So, again, so important. Do that inspection as the incoming tenant. Insist it's done as the outgoing tenant. Take and, your own uh, evidence of things that are Keep records, etc. Several people asking about this issue of the deposit returned with interest. And uh, Marlon, can you elaborate? Somebody's asking how should the interest on the refund of the deposit be calculated? Well, very simply, the Rental Housing Act simply states that if there is a deposit, don't forget there's no legal obligation to get a deposit. It would be very silly not to do so. Mm. But if you do get a deposit, you put it in a financial institution. You don't have to do it for the benefit from an interest perspective. As long as it's in a savings account, accrues interest, and that can be demonstrated to the tenant. And it's the tenant's money. You can't score it. You can't utilize it. You actually cannot touch the deposit during the lease agreement. 
You can't touch it during the course of the lease. Legally, okay. Legally, in fact, you can't waive any rights in subsection three, which says put the deposit into a financial institution. And is the tenant allowed to then ask you on a, say, an annual basis for a statement of, of where's my deposit and how's that interest looking? Absolutely. I mean, okay. it's, it's their money. Um, the thing is that when the Rental Housing Act is actually amended, when that becomes law, it's going to become a lot stronger as to what tenants are entitled to in terms of documentation, evidencing the rental, the deposit, etc. Okay. So if I want to know what's happening with my money, Please show me. Okay. Mm. Lester and Mowbray pointing out that the deposit interest is not necessarily little. He says, for me, it's almost covered the annual top-up deposit on my place. I think it would depend how yeah. long you've been long there. Long you've been so, there, yes, yeah, But I mean, so I was enough, talking yeah. about in terms of <laughs> interest rates. It's, it's a small it's, figure. It's figure, a small but, figure, but uh, if you've been there for a point, while, yeah. yes. Thanks, Lester. Okay. Now, um, let's just, just take a, a look at another big one that comes through often, the issue of burst geezers. And, Wendy, how many of those phone calls have we had from people saying yes. the geezer burst and uh, whose who's problem is it? to fix. Uh, let's let's take the example of Brenda's case study. Okay, she doesn't uh, give me too much detail, but she said, um, I actually wanted her to come and tell her story on the show, but she said she doesn't like pu- public speaking, so okay. but she'll be listening. <laughs> so, hello Brenda. Um, she said, uh, we have a problem with the owner of, a f- of our flat who's demanding that we pay for a brand new hot water cylinder, which is what we really should be calling geezers. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in the contract and this is the second time he's refusing to pay. We paid the first time to avoid being evicted. Total amount close to 9,500 rand. These are pensioners so you can imagine what an what a big um financial blow that was um there was a, a few weeks in between um uh, me her sending the email and me getting back to her when i went back to her, she said we did consult an attorney um who we think has successfully managed to get the owner's insurance to pay and how mean if you have insurance why wouldn't you just as the land uh, forget the law as as the landlord why wouldn't you just make a claim but uh, we've been discussing it off air Marlon and I about the geezer and obviously I'm saying it has to be for the landlord's account because you don't as a tenant generally have an interaction with the geezer it's, it's not an item that accrues wear and tear no, on daily basis and so yeah. if it bursts as geezers do my own one has just done it I've just put a claim in and it has been replaced um, unless of course you were trying to save on electricity and you started fiddling with the thermostat and in so doing um, damaged the function of the geyser or something like that, which the plumber would quite quickly ascertain. In which case, fair is fair. If you've caused the problem, you you're financially responsible. Fixed, yeah. But in most cases, geysers have a limited um, lifespan. They will go and the, the landlord should pay. Just, just to interpose, if hypothetically the geyser causes damage, uh, it's up to the tenant to act very quickly to notify the landlord. Good point, yeah. Because if the tenant doesn't do so, Further even though damage. the landlord, he could be, you know, author of that damage. Similarly, mm. if the landlord is dilatory and takes his time, the landlord's liability will go further than just replacing the geezer. So yeah. it's about logic. Truthfully, yes, and yes. as you say, I mean, I don't know how many people interact with geezers. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't done so lately, but um, I do believe We're that. You're talking about water cylinders, right? right? I apologize. No, <laughs> off topic. Um, in, in essence, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of the landlord's property and appreciating asset. Fix it up, keep your yes. tenant happy, and let the property increase in value. I mean, it's okay. a simple logic that applies. Back to those deposits. Interesting question from Fiona, who says, fair enough for those who've got multiple properties and will have a dedicated bank account for that money. But she says, I looked into setting up a dedicated bank account for a tenant and the monthly fee was more than the actual interest. So the deposit amount actually reduced each month. As my personal bank account isn't interest bearing, any advice for us non-agent landlords? Well, in essence, the Rental Housing Act, look, it's a very archaic act and it's, it's full of anomalies. 
All it says is it must go into an interest-bearing account. If hypothetically there are amounts which would result in that being deducted, that is potentially an amount that could be sought from the tenant. I mean, there are administrative charges, there are bank mm-hmm. charges, but if it's not in an interest-bearing account that is causing a lot of interest, then the landlord might need to look at something else. The fact is, though, is that the Rental Housing Act, because it goes back 20 years, it doesn't account for, for example, there might be some landlords who choose to invest it in a money market account, as long as they're not scoring off it. But currently, as it stands, there are tremendous bank charges. There are institutions that will invest deposits for you and provide a higher interest rate because they take a lot of money mm-hmm. and they put it all together, okay. which allows for a landlord to, to earn a little something, for the tenant to get back a good return on their investment or their, in, their deposit. But ideally, you want to put it in a bank account which covers these costs. But of course, we don't know how the banks are going to act and the continual increase in their rates mm. is negating the interest that, uh, that the tenants are earning. On okay. I must admit, I did the same thing with my, my flat. I put the deposit into my bank account and when the tenant gives notice and moves out, they get what they paid plus the interest. Uh, which, which is truthfully not correct. If it you isn't think of correct. It. I'm breaking the law and I'm admitting it on air. But well, don't worry, you've got your lawyer present. <laughs> um, the, the, the weird thing, though, is that you've got a deposit which uh, ultimately should be put in a separate bank account yeah. and accrue interest. See, I'm but, one of those one flat But, the, the truth, yes, but yeah. if you think of it logically, if I don't put it, if I go to Grandma's Casino and at the end of the year I said to you, look, I've gambled your money away, That's but the, you know what? Here's your deposit and here's the interest you would have earned. Had I deposited it so for you, no prejudice. where's your prejudice? Where are your damages? You've yeah. got no claim, even yeah. though I've breached the rental housing. Act. I've te- broken the law. Technically, right. okay. yes. Okay. Interesting perspective on the WhatsApp line, going back to those uh, inspections. Here's somebody who says, my tenant did not take up the invite for an ingoing inspection because he said the place was perfect. I had a list Silly of man, the condition of the flat. Gave him an option to do the inspection with me at any time he was ready, and this never came to fruition. Upon showing the flat to possible new tenants a year later, the place was a mess. Carpets disgusting, water damage in the kitchen and bathroom, etc. He did not show up for an outgoing inspection either after being invited, and then took me to the rental housing tribunal and won. What do you do when tenants use the law against you is the question. He even sent me an email uh, saying that I had failed to do inspections with him. The tribunal asked for evidence which I provided of the damages, but it seemed like a biased process with no recourse. Any comment? Okay. Well, <laughs> That's a very unfortunate um, case. Can, yeah. I ra- can I raise the fifth? Um, look, the tribunal is deals with facts on its, own, you know, on its own merits. I mean, I don't know the facts of this matter. I think it's very curious. I don't know what actually happened, but the fact is that I don't know why there would have been an outgoing if there was no incoming and the truth of the matter is there should never have been a decision that ruled against the landlord when the tenant didn't take up the invite that's very clear in the Rental Housing Act so I find it quite curious that that result was made but again I haven't seen the details of the individual case the, yeah. the only problem that you sit with that let's assume the landlord was unhappy with that decision currently you can't even appeal that was going to be my decision. next question mm. you can, can you take it on review no? to the high court but a review is oh, simply a procedural cost of fortune uh, include it? advocates and attorneys and, and whatnot it becomes you know a self-defeating purpose but that is a very interesting decision i would love to see the tribunal ruling on that i really would so whoever sent that message if you would like us to send it on tomorrow and and take a look I'd at like it to you and so you can send it to wendy uh consumer at nola.co.za k-n-o-w-l-e-r consumer at nola.co.za and just put in the subject line cape talk uh, rental, rental tribunal. Uh, mm. She'll keep an eye open for it if you would like to to have it looked at by another pair of eyes. Okay, um, right. We're going to come back with questions around changes 
to the lease mid-lease and uh, around um, notice on leases, which seems to be the second biggest issue coming up on our SMS line. Uh, So short break and then we're back with those issues. If you've got a question that you'd like to pose on air, now's the time to get dialing on 021-446-0567. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation. Right, let's get straight back to the conversation around tenants and landlords. We were talking about burst geezers. Trevor's given us a call from Filiastorp on that topic. Good afternoon, Trevor. Hello, Trevor. Um, you know, the, the people say something about fiddling with, with the thermostat will damage the geezer. The thermostat's job is to turn the geezer on and off. So whether you do it manually or automatically, it has no effect on... Okay. Bad example, but... Okay, uh, <laughs> not point plumber. taken, Trevor. The point was, if you have done something to cause damage to the geezer, it's not reasonable to expect the landlord to pay for it. Correct. If, you, if you, you don't interact with the geezer, but you choose to interact, and it can be shown that if you did not interact, the geezer would have been fine, that would basically yeah. allow the landlord to claim that. So maybe not a good example. But Sorry. Um, okay, point taken, Trevor, but let's move on because we've got so many big issues to deal with here. Thank you. <laughs> right, let's talk about changes mid-lease. Okay. So security is a big concern. It's the very reason many people opt to live in a communal yes, environment exactly. compl- like a complex. Yeah. Uh, Amy raising an interesting question about paying for security, though, Wendy. Yeah, she says, I live in a complex and the security, the person I were robbed at gunpoint last night, can the landlord increase the rent in order to cover his bolstering of the security? Well, Marlon? Well, simply put, I mean, uh, in, in any good lease, you'd find a clause which says a non-variation clause, which means any changes to the lease, increase in rent, anything which result in the lease being changed in terms of its terms and conditions, it can't be unilateral. It's got to be agreed between the parties and signed. So in essence, the landlord may choose to increase the rental, but it's not allowed unless the tenant agrees to it. It's as simple as that. So the second question on the same point from somebody who says wants to know whether it's legal to add water costs onto the rent after an extension of the lease. Uh, I need to, I'm a lessor, I need to recoup water costs, which the body corporate is now passing on to owners. Well, if there's an extension of the lease, it would have been renewed. And in terms of any renewal, there would need to have been an 80 to 40 business day letter in terms of section 14 of the Consumer Protection Act, not to make it too complicated. And if that included any material changes, such as including water as an additional cost, if the tenant agreed to it, then the tenant is liable to pay it. Um, If it's introduced mid-lease, in other words, after you've renewed the lease, again, it would need the consent of the tenant because the contract is bilateral. It's reciprocal. Both parties have to agree because both parties are in it. Okay, so really important. It cannot be done unilaterally. Thank you so much. Okay, that's going to answer several of the SMS questions quite effectively, I think. The other one that is coming up uh, so many times is the issue of giving notice on uh, a lease. Now, Mm. here's one SMS from Joan in Newlands, who, as I mentioned, got in very quickly, saying, if a tenant can give 20 working days notice after only two months, what is the use of a lease? And for how many months are they liable for the rent if the unit remains unoccupied? Similarly, we heard from Simone. Let's maybe just quickly share Simone's yes, story. she heard our promo. Because, uh, she, she also sent in an email on okay, this topic. Okay, so she says um, they, um, they've received conflicting advice on their predicament, and that's why she's, she's coming to us. They've been renting from a landlord for the last year and a half. The lease began February 2018, um, and they agreed to renew it in January this year, so it runs until um, January 2020. But... In May, she discovered that she was pregnant. The baby's due in January. They began looking for a larger place, found a fantastic deal on a a bigger place, um, and um, told the landlord they were leaving, provided two months' written notice. Now, remember, their lease only expires in January. Mm. 
uh, we said would help as much to, as possible to find a replacement tenant. So far, we've listed online, spoken to agents, no luck because the rental market has dropped, apparently. Our landlord said we would be responsible for the full rental amount till the end of Jan. Um, is it, that's five months. Is it possible that he could hold us liable for this full amount, even though we provided two months' notice? That's basically the crux of it, Marlon. Okay, I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible because this is a thesis. Very <laughs> simply, because of the Consumer Protection Act, which came in 2011, a tenant, a natural person tenant, uh, presumably is natural because she's pregnant, she would be entitled to give 20 <laughs> business days notice as at any Joan time. As Newlands was saying, yes. Any okay. time, 20 business days, not a calendar month, 20 business days at any time, subject to the landlord charging a reasonable cancellation penalty. That's the catch. What is reasonable? It's as how long is a piece of string. The only way we can deduce what is reasonable is to look at Regulation 5, subsection 2 of the Consumer Protection Act. How much notice was given? Are there any benefits, any losses? What's the general practice of the industry? And in essence, what is the most important thing is whether it's a landlord or an agent, they have oh. a duty to mitigate their loss, to okay. find a new tenant, to take over the balance of those five months. So that even if hypothetically the landlord agrees that it will be a two-month penalty in the lease, he's not off the hook. That tenant is entitled to ask, what steps have you taken to find another tenant? So five months left and to hold him liable is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. And two months' notice is twice the amount of time that she was obliged to give in terms of the Consumer Protection Act. That says one month or 20 business days, as you say. Correct. Okay. We've actually got a caller on the line still on this issue. Let's hear Vicky's story. Uh, Vicky in Cape Town? Oh, I'm so sorry. We've lost her. We'll see if we can get her back. But just, okay, so that that 20 business days is what the Act requires. a lot of people would say, well, then what's the point of signing a lease? Marlon? I'm going yeah. to give you a brilliant example. People say, Marlon, what is the difference between a, a fixed lease, say a caller lease for a year with the right to terminate on 20 business days notice versus a month to month lease? Mm-hmm. And that's a simple answer. If it's 20 business days notice, there's always an opportunity to claim a reasonable cancellation penalty. There is no penalty applicable when it's month to month because a month to month lease is not a fixed term lease. It doesn't fall within the Consumer Protection Act. Mm. Okay. So there's no penalties applicable on month to month. We've got Vicky back. Sorry about that, Vicky. Uh, uh, what's uh, the nature of your question? Good afternoon. I suppose it's the same question. Um, maybe just to put you in with the details, um, is that it is a, um, a contract with a landlord um, and the only effort the landlord has made to find a new tenant is to place an ad in Gumtree. Um, and that's all she is prepared to do. She has told my daughter that's all they are. she is prepared to do. Is to, and they've looked at the ad. It's, it's poorly written up. The pictures are poor. Everything's poor. They have put ads in Property 24, private property, etc. But the rental she's charging is just too high. Same and she problem. will not reduce the rental. She says if they find a tenant at a reduced rental, they must pay the difference. Has so, well, Can I just interject? Has the rental yes. been increased since it's been advertised? Yes. So it's actually been increased. Now that's she, she increased the rental annually. They've already lived in the property a year. She increased it biannually in June because mm-hmm. of a levy increase. But when she then advertised she it? When she advertised it to no. find a new tenant, it wasn't no. increased. Okay. Uh, no, no. Uh, she, just she's to, done it. They've just had a rental increase. So she's advertised it at the increased at rental. At the same rate that they're at currently the same paying. rental, okay. yeah. Let me yeah. just tell you the legal perspective. You're looking at mitigation. It's like mitigation of damages. If a tenant has to take this landlord to court because she disagrees with the fact that the landlord is trying to claim a huge penalty from her, she could simply go to court and ask the landlord to demonstrate what steps he took. Because mitigation of losses sounds like these big words, but... Uh, 
a simple example is I ask you to build me a wall and you build the wall and you stop halfway and the rain is coming and the inclement weather and my property is going to be destroyed. I just sit back and do nothing and the property gets destroyed and I hold you liable. Mm -hmm. What I should do is find another contractor to fix up the wall. That is a cost I can seek from you, but I can't hold you liable for all the damages that flow from my failure to get the wall fixed. I'm going to be using that example in future. So that's that's the logic of it. And sometimes landlords put the property back into the market at a higher price, but putting it on Gumtree is not mitigating the loss. It is not a concerted effort. And they just want to rely on the fact that their tenant's going to pay up. And I would be happy to represent the tenant in that case. I can tell you now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. All right, Vicky, thank you for for your call. Uh, Right, let's go to Desmond on the line from Heathfield wanting to talk about landlords' rights. Desmond, good Hmm. afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, my question is straightforward. Uh, what is the right of a landlord if a tenant comes three months into a lease on a year lease and say, well, I'm moving out. I found a bigger place and uh, I'm moving. Uh, can, I, can I answer that? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, there, there's no pressure. There is no problems. Okay. Well, uh, rent has been paid. You know, there's been no interference from either side. Can I ask a question? Did the tenant give 20 business days notice or not? No, no, just came and said I'm moving. Okay, that, that, no. that's the I'm, answer I'm I want you to hear. Move. Okay. In the month. That, no, no. no, that's a great, that's a, that changes everything because if the tenant had given 20 business days, the landlord would do exactly what I was just mentioning, claiming a reasonable cancellation penalty. If the tenant doesn't give 20 business days, let's assume he gives 19 or 10 or 5, that tenant is actually breaching the lease. And the minute the tenant breaches the lease, which is a common law uh, action, there's no CPA, there's no Rental Housing Act mm, per se. What it does is it allows the landlord two very simple choices. He can either say, fine, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to hold you for all the damages I'm going to suffer, lost rental, commission that I've paid my agent, I still have to try and mitigate my loss. Nothing changes there, but there's definitely a claim for damages. Or he can, he can simply say to the tenant, you know, Mr. Tenant, I'm not letting you go. You will stay, you'll pay, you'll specifically perform your contractual obligations because you're not entitled to protection because you haven't given me 20 business days. That is traditional contractual law. So he can't just up and leave. Okay, Desmond, thank you so much for raising such an important issue. Another important issue is is what a landlord can do if they have a tenant in place who is not paying the rent. Tracy, as one example, says, I have a tenant who has refused to pay. Oh, sorry, this is slightly different. Okay, let's deal with this and then the squatting issue, shall we call it. Tracy's tenant has refused to pay the final month's rental because he insists the deposit should be used for that. Okay, well, we've mentioned that that is probably the most common thing I ever see. The fact is that deposit is there as a damages deposit. It's a security for the landlord to fix up the property if there are damages except for fair wear and tear. The lease agreement irrespective of what it says, the Rental Housing Act says you can't use the deposit during the lease. So don't do that because if you come to the end of the lease and there are damages to the property, you can have to go to a lawyer to sue for that, uh, mm. for the damages sustained. So don't do it. But it is such a common thing and many agents do do it and they're breaking the law. Okay, thank you. And Tracy, please feel free to send them this podcast to, to explain that to them. We've got literally one minute I just, left. I yes, want to yeah. just get this out because we, it, I get it a lot and, and I should have put it in the prep. Somebody moves into an apartment, a house or whatever, and there's existing um, damages that need to be fixed up. The shower door won't close, all that kind of thing. And the agent or landlord will say, don't worry, we'll do it. You know, Once you've moved in, it doesn't happen. Or things break, the security, their security breaches, they don't get fixed. Um, people ask me what they should do. My advice has always been don't do anything unilaterally. Don't stop paying your rent. That's the last thing you must Correct. do. Give them, send them an email, document everything. 
say I'm giving you until the end of this month or six weeks to fix it. If not, I will get um, a handyman in to do the remedial work and I will deduct the amount. I'll give you the receipts. I'll deduct the amount from my rental. Please tell me that I've been giving the right advice. You've been giving the right advice because every <laughs> lease agreement would have a clause that says no deduction or set off because then the tenant's in breach. But if the landlord is not coming to the party, you're not reciprocating, then the tenant is allowed to say, listen, I'm going to, if you don't come and remedy the property, give me the entitlement to use and enjoy the property that I'm which paying I'm, which for. I'm paying for mm. I'm going to deduct that. That would be a lawful deduction as long as you can prove that the landlord has not come to the party because okay. all that the landlord has to do is to give property which allows the tenant to live there and the tenant must pay for the property and if the landlord doesn't do so he can't have his cake and eat and it and the key is to document everything always in emails yes. absolutely right. okay. thank you marlon so what i'm going to do is suggest that we please schedule to get marlon back again for a follow-up I think segment so. and i think the squat um, issue as i said at the beginning we can the show, start with that is, issue it's a big yeah. one because we have many landlord listeners and uh, i think it would be a good place to start so uh, i'll let listeners know once we've had the diary conversation yes, unfortunately afterwards it can't be next week because we have something else set up but maybe the week after if marlon's Anytime. available okay we so we will we'll confirm that with you as soon as we have the date confirmed Send and your I'm, emails. All, I'm keeping all the whatsapps we haven't got to 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 pick up then as well uh, and uh, to be continued just a reminder in the meantime if you do want to refer to the rental housing tribunal in Cape Town their contact center is 0860 106 166 Marlon Chevalu and Wendy Nola great to have you with us thank, thank you, you so Papa. much for your thank time thank you Wendy <laughs> ciao